I'm not often joined by someone who can say that they're a Hall of Famer, but I am today. Victoria Marchand is formerly a forward for the U Ottawa GGs. She's a member of the Native Indian Football Association's Canada women's soccer team, with whom she won a gold medal at the 2017 World Indigenous Games. Uh, and she was recently named an inductee into the North American Indigenous Athletics Hall of Fame. Victoria, thank you so much for joining. How are you? Hi, thank you. Um, what a nice introduction. I don't really think about uh, myself as a soccer player a lot of times, just because where I'm at in life professionally and, you know, being a mom, you kind of lose sight of those things. So that was a nice, healthy reminder. Well, yeah, you do still play and uh, we are yeah. certainly going to touch <laughs> on that. Um, and there's a ton I want to ask you. Um, I feel like I won't get to everything on my list. Uh, what with me using the free version of Zoom <laughs> for my interviews, uh, but we're going to do our best here. Um, so maybe we'll start with the most recent news. Like you're you're a Hall of Famer now. Um, how does that feel to have your career recognized this way and and to be forever associated with some you know pretty impressive names in sports history like you know Jim Thorpe and and George Armstrong. Yeah, it's really wicked. I didn't realize that that even existed up until a couple of years ago. Because um, I have a lot of family that made it far in hockey. Um, a cut like a distant cousin of mine, Gina Ojik, just passed, and he was in the NHL for years and really made a huge impact on Indigenous hockey and the NHL. So even non-Indigenous hockey. So I come from. Um, a community that is really hockey centered. So for me to be recognized for a sport other than that, um, I think my community is still thawing at the idea of it. They're like, wow, we have community members that are good at something other than hockey, right? Um, <laughs> it, it's 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 still really weird. I am super thankful um, that there's even an opportunity for us to be recognized in that way as Indigenous people, but also to have a hall of fame where we recognize the work of leaders that have pa since passed on and that they'll always be commemorated. Um, I think like the biggest takeaway for me was um, learning what other indigenous athletes do um, currently as well. So seeing like George Ar Armstrong, but then also like his relative Kelly Armstrong is also in the hall of fame and seeing how far she went in hockey is just incredible to me. Um, yeah. So like, how did it come about? Was it, like, was it a surprise to you? Did they like reach out to you first? Like, how did that kind of happen? Yeah. So we won the World Indigenous Games. Um, like our program won in 2015 in Brazil, and we won again in Edmonton in 2017. And so we've been on the radar for quite a while as a program. Um, and just our success stories and being able to attend to these tournaments and really compete with like Peru, Australia. New Zealand. Um, and so it's been really interesting, like to see our caliber grow. And I think everyone has been watching that. So indigenous soccer is very um, heavily invested in in West in Western Canada. So I I'd, I'd highly say that, you know, BC is probably the leader in provinces when it comes to indigenous soccer or indigenous participation in soccer. Um, so it's not something that's quite common in Eastern Canada for indigenous soccer players to kind of thrive. Um, but it was it was great. Recently, um, in 2022, I traveled um, out to BC for like a couple tournaments. Um, and it was the first time I ever played in an all indigenous soccer tournament. And I was mind blown. I was culture shocked in my own culture. Really? Um, yeah, it was wicked. Um, and it was 
indigenous only. So there was so many teams of just indigenous women, girls, two-spirited people that were like flooding the field. Um, and we put in just a team of um, almost randoms. Like a lot of us didn't come from BC. So there was uh, my teammate, Carly, who's Mi'kmaq. Um, she's from out east. There was a couple people from the prairies. And then there's me from uh, my reserves in Quebec. So we were just a mishmash group of girls kind of visiting BC soccer a lot for a lot of us for the first time. And we had some BC soccer players, too. But we ended up winning the tournament um, and ended up winning MVP of the tournament. So it was really exciting. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was really wicked, though, because I was like, wow, this is the first time I get to play amongst um, only Indigenous people in the sport that I grew up loving. Right. So I think it's, uh, I don't know, it's, to me, soccer for an indi- as an Indigenous person in Ottawa is so small. Um, growing up, I think I might have been the only one I knew of. Um, there, there were probably some other ones, but the only one I ever knew of, like, playing at a high level. Um, and I played all the circuits. Like, I played AA, AAA um, in Quebec. I played OISL um, in Ontario. And then... Algonquin College and then you Ottawa and I felt only one solo. yeah yeah <laughs> is there like a reason like is there a reason that you know if like that would be the case honestly I think a lot of it has to do with um putting all of our investments into hockey which is totally fine every we have such strong ties and connections to hockey and lacrosse over here um but I'm also thinking of like access to fields in BC is a lot different Mm -hmm. than access to fields over here just because of snow temperature and everything. And so their, their seasons, they get to play all year long, which I'm so jealous of. Right. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, how dare you? Um, And I think dome time's so expensive around here. We don't, we, we would never be able to afford that. Um, And growing up our community, sorry, Ozzy just wanted to say hi, but uh, (laughs) <laughs> growing up too like I'm from Kitagon ZB on my dad's side um, which is an hour and a half north of Ottawa and uh, one of the closest Algonquin communities to Ottawa and my mom's side is from Winnaway and Timiskaming which is like five to eight hours depending on what community you're going to north of Ottawa and so we don't have the infrastructures that support soccer um, even then like when you think about hockey back home like in KZ it's we have two outdoor rinks um, and then we have to use the Manawaki arena. So it's really, um, it, it's a barrier to us developing as indigenous people in the sport we love. We're constantly like hurdling these, these access issues, right. And even funding issues, like how much, how much does it even cost to develop a, a, a basic turf field? Right. Um yeah, but I don't know. The Manawaki High School now has a turf field, so I've I've been a couple times. Um, oh, how is it? I always like hearing about new fields. <laughs> it's actually really nice. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, oh, okay, let's let's do it. Um, my husband and I uh, hosted like a fun camp with the Manawaki Friendship Center, and so we took a bunch of the young kids and some youth over to the to the turf field and showed them how to play some soccer. And then my partner, um, Derek was the quarterback for you, Ottawa GGs. And so he like Derek Wendell. Yeah. No way. 
That's yeah, that's my husband. <laughs> he's right there. He's hey, Derek. <laughs> yeah, he's, he has his headphones on. But yeah, so we have high hopes for our son Bo to either be really good at soccer or really good at football. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's good odds either way. So <laughs> hopefully, yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, before we get into anything else, um, you know, uh, I do want to cover the basics. So correct me if I'm wrong, but you're originally from Gatineau. Is that right? Yeah, like uh, Gatineau, Ottawa region. Yeah. Okay. Um, And so growing up, did you uh, have any kind of favorite hangout spots in the area? In Gatineau? Sure, yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. Like, I traveled so much, even as a baby. Yeah. because my res is so close. So anytime I wasn't, I would, I, yeah, I was always back home on the res. Um, the rink would be like one of my favorite go-tos in the winter. Um, yeah, no, damn. Promenade. <laughs> <laughs> um, the soccer field. I lived by Ernest Gaburi soccer fields. Okay. Um, so I would be there every day, all day. Um, and my grandparents still live there. Um, so yeah, I, I just remember they'd bring me to like the sledding hill and then I'd watch like the older FC Utahwe, like AAA girls play. And I was like, ah, oh, that's so cool. I want to play there one day. And then, um, as I got older, I think I was 11 or no, I was 10. The first, when I started playing double A, um, in Gatineau and my first practice was at Ernest Gaburi so it came full circle and my head coach was playing for the AAA FC Utahua team so I was like oh my god I'm manifesting <laughs> so yeah I think it was the soccer fields I hung out at Ernest Gaburi and Promenade um, and the res I would just go back home every weekend um, and spend all my free time there with my friends right on um, yeah. so what was your first introduction to soccer this is actually so cute. I was reminded that my first coach was my grandpa, uh, my Papa Joe. Um, he's from Lexington, and uh, my mom threw me in all these sports. I hated gymnastics. I, I hated everything. She threw me into soccer as like a last resort, probably last ditch effort. And my Papa Joe was like, "Okay, I'll I'll coach. Maybe she'll like it if I'm the coach." Because he was like my favorite. Like I loved Papa Joe, and. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I haven't stopped since. So I was four years old the first time, three or four years old when I started playing in Gatineau. Um, and yeah, I haven't stopped since. Um, and now my Papa Joe's claim to fame is that he was my first soccer coach ever. And I owe everything to him, which I do, honestly. Like, I don't, what if he wasn't my coach? What if I was like, I don't want to be here. So so does he go around telling people now that, yeah, he coached a Hall of Famer? Oh, oh, absolutely. Um, he recently retired. And at his retirement party, he put that in a speech. I was like, Papa Joe, shut up. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, this is about you tonight. But he's so funny. Um, I think it's interesting, too. Like, I never. this is something I don't really reflect on just because it's very inherent to who I am. But I think everything, I, um, a part of my soccer journey really has to do with community and family, even though my community isn't soccer oriented at all. Um, I've been so heavily supported um, by my community to like the sacrifices I had to make a lot of times, like I would probably want to live in my community a hundred percent of the time, but I, I wasn't able to like, cause traveling to like, even in OISL when I was 15 and 16, 
we're in Toronto every weekend or every second weekend. We're training almost every single day over in Gloucester. And there's no way that I could be back home in my community at all, right? I'd have to live here. I have no choice but to live here. Um, so I think it's really interesting that my community stood behind me, even with the sacrifices I had to make. Like I couldn't make it to ceremony. I couldn't make it to weddings. I couldn't make it to events or powwows. And they never made me feel bad for it. Maybe sometimes. I'm just kidding. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like they really supported me in the sacrifices that I had to make. Um, and I think as a result of that, I've really tried to kind of like pedal faster once um, once I kind of finished with, uh, you know, the training every day, like three times a day type thing. Um, I've dedicated more of my time to kind of like learning my language um, and being connected to community with my time um, and raising my child. So I think it's really interesting to to see that. Like I love hearing about people learning language um because you know everyone uh learns different languages for like different reasons right um and like especially indigenous languages uh that you know uh people are trying to sort of bring back and revive right um like what's that journey been like for you it's been interesting just because um it's so nuanced when you think about ottawa being on our own traditional territory but growing up in the urban context like in ottawa I there was never really like any engagement with like our own traditional language revitalization. So there wasn't like Ottawa wouldn't you wouldn't see like any signs that say like, oh, Quay, like, hello, or Pajashig, well, um, welcome, right? Or Miigwech, thank you. Like, those are the easiest words that everyone can kind of adopt or try to learn. But um, back home, like we have all of our street names um, that are Algonquin, like Makwamikan, um, Paganokman, even our school, Kikinamadanan, like it's, it, we, the language is everywhere and we are the language. So I think that really resonated me as I got older was I am the language. My son is the language. Like, because we are live, we are a part of the language that encompasses our teachings. And so I think that is what I've been bringing into my soccer life most recently too. Like being an indigenous soccer player, I think, um, I've really matured on on and off the field um, in a way I never thought I would just because I am committed. I have committed more time to community and I've committed more time to like learning about my community and my family. Um, as an example, um, just going to BC and doing that knowledge transferring between who I am as an Anishinaabe from Ottawa but not even from Ottawa. I'm Omamuwinini, which means that I am from here and this is my traditional territory. And going over to BC and being a visitor, right? And playing soccer on someone else's traditional lands. I thought that was so interesting because I'm spoiled at Uottawa. I always felt at home because I was home. Like those were my territories okay. where like my grandparents and my ancestors like thrived on, right? And uh, still thrive on. So I think for me, like playing at Uottawa, it felt like home because it was home, like ancestrally, traditionally. Um, so when I travel, I think it's it felt um, a little different to me traveling because it was me leaving my traditional territory in order to play against someone else on someone else's traditional territory, right? Mm-hmm. And then going to tournaments and yeah. So I think it's just really interesting that you have that deeper understanding of who you are as a person and how that affects your game. 
like I know that you coach as well. Does it bleed into you, you know, your coaching career as well? Yeah, I try not to like force too much of like my journey on the kids. Like I'll share it here and there. But I think like the one biggest impact of coaching is just me being racially indigenous. Um, I think I just let that speak for itself. And then I just coach any way that I think is appropriate for like tactical and technical. Um, I know that uh, the NIG games are coming up and I'm the head coach for the boys team for Team Ontario. Um, And that's a little bit interesting for me because technically my reserve is in Quebec. But if you look at traditional territories, we run through Quebec and Ontario. Mm -hmm. So to me, it doesn't really matter if I was head coach of Team Ontario or Team Quebec because I'm from both. Um, yeah, like those borders to... don't matter as much. Exactly. Yeah. Just because we, um, there's only two Algonquin communities in um, that we recognize as a nation um, that are in Ontario and nine that are in Quebec. Um, so together we create like our Algonquin nation. Um, but yeah, I think it's really interesting to to kind of like take into borders. Have um, so have you been coaching long? Yes and no. Like I've always helped with camps. I've um, look back in the day, me and Kat Barron, um, we also did a uh, coaching camp um, on behalf of like our our women's soccer program. So we went up to the res, my res, um, and did a cool soccer camp. And then Derek and I did a, uh, another sports camp. Um, I coached Bo's team, the four-year-olds, um, last winter or three-year-olds. <laughs> I would not call that coaching. So, uh, crowd control. yeah, like I have, ex- oh my God, no, they just run around in circles. <laughs> the coolest thing though, is that there was two, um, native kids and two non-indigenous kids. So I was like, oh my God, this is so nice. Like my son has really long hair. And so yeah. it's nice to, for him to see another boy with long hair in Ottawa playing soccer. So I thought that was really cool. That yeah. is so nice. I know. Um, yeah, so so you joined the Native Indian Football Association women's soccer team. Um, can I call it NIFA? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. what we all call it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, you joined NIFA. Um, and I think that's a program that doesn't get like, you know, a ton of media coverage. Um, so I was wondering if you could talk a bit about like how you got connected to NIFA and just talk about it like a bit about the program in general and like what and like what you'd like people to know about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, first and foremost, I'm bugging our head coach to update the name. Um, it's a really yeah. Old- I wasn't sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm um, being honest, <laughs> I've been rebranding. I like it. double checked it and triple checked. I was like, "That's what." Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I I joke around with Dano a lot. Dano's our head coach, um, and we have an elder coach as well, uh, Bill and Harry, who's from Oksas uh Um. Oh my God, he's gonna kill me. But uh, he's Haudenosaunee. Um. And then we have Jason too, who's incredible. Um. And then myself and Lacey, who are kind of like the leaders of our team, like captains, which we usually um get called but um yeah we have such a strong group of leaders um so i think it's interesting to see where the how much the program has changed and developed over time um even with the branding too like we've been able to kind of try to be bigger spokespeople and and build relationships with like even like as an example you know we should be reaching out to cbc indigenous or like cbc in general or cbc sports like yeah we need 
be more recognized. Um, we're recognized by Soccer Canada. We're recognized by like these these entities and organizations like recognize us as a national program. But at the end of the day, does the rest of Canada, you know, like Soccer Canada can know all about us. But what about Soccer Ontario? What about Soccer BC? Well, Soccer BC, that's kind of a given. They definitely recognize NEFA. Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting to see how much people don't know about it. Um, I was at Uwatawa playing. We were, um, there was an article in the newspaper saying that this team was um, getting prepared to go to Brazil for the World Indigenous Games. And my mom saw it and she's like, Vic's really good at soccer. I wonder if, you know, she'd be able to kind of like make the roster for the World Indigenous Games. That sounds amazing. And so my mom did all the heavy lifting, found the found Daniel's email, found the head coach's email, emailed him. I'm like, oh, my God, mom, this is so embarrassing. And then the coach was like, uh, Daniel was like, uh, well, like, do you have any videos or do you have any like proof that she's actually good because it's just this <laughs> random mom advocating for her child as many as mom should as right? moms do yeah yeah as moms do um and then sure enough uh he was able to like look at stats and not even stats but like just look at like replays of like my games and stuff that were on OUA at the time or um just accessible and he really liked how I played so he I invited me, I think, like as a bench player for because it was so quick for Brazil. And he was like, okay, here's the process. Can you get your passport expedited? Because it was it was expired. Um, and it's expired again. Like my passport's expired today. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the worst. Um, and then, anyways, yeah, he was like, Okay, well, you can come if if you want. Like, we'd love to have you um really interested in seeing how you play blah 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 but then steve was like this is a great opportunity but what like this is so last minute like you're one of our starters like you play all the time he's like we're in playoffs like we're going into playoffs he's like do what you want but he's like i don't know he's like this seems really last minute for you to just like get up and go and so i didn't end up going and it was like one of my biggest not regrets because I killed it in playoffs and our team killed it at OUAs as we always do. But uh, yeah, they ended up winning the 2015 Brazil World Indigenous Games. And I wanted to just like put my head in sand and just like lay down for a week because <laughs> I don't know, it looked so amazing. But now those are that was a big crowd that they had too, I think. It was like 10,000 people. Yeah, like humongous. We were supposed to have our 2019 Indigenous World Indigenous Games in Brazil again, but um, the Brazil organizer passed um, from COVID. So oh. that was a really hard year um, kind of for like Indigenous soccer because we heavily rely on Brazil and Canada as being like the predominant hosts for World Indigenous Games. Um so, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see, like, what happens next. Like, what are the next steps? We're waiting for um, an announcement. Um, so we're hoping that it's next summer or the summer after that. Um, yeah. And I am I just turned 29. So I'm like, I'm getting there. I'm like, announce it, please, so I can get one or two more in yeah. before <laughs> I get too old. Because, yeah, I was going to ask, you know, do you consider yourself still, like, an active player for NIFA? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, like when it comes down to like, I always found stats really interesting because I was like, oh, like I, f I felt like I did good always at UOttawa. But then I'd see stats and I'm like, oh, my God, I look so crappy. But then it's like, no, you played every single second of every single game. And like, like you and your teammates made an impact on the field, with, with, regardless of the numbers. Like even Brooklyn, one of my old teammates, Brooklyn, um, she was a left back on her team. And I arguably thought she was one of the best players I've ever played with, like so soccer on the field. And her stats were like, like did not do her justice. Yeah. So I'm like it doesn't matter at the end of the day um but then there's players like like julia fransky and like pilar who i got to play with and they're like killing it like they they crushed it or emma even emma who was um a first year when in my fifth year and she like was she went on to like crush at all like the records that we had so i think it's really interesting to see like how you can be a standout player regardless of the numbers but um yeah i just think of like Brooklyn and Emma, who are like two amazing players, but the numbers speak differently. Um, but yeah, with Nifa, you know, kind of similar thing. Like I play all the minutes start. Um, but I think my role is changing as just really ensuring that the younger players are feeling supported. I know there's always like a disconnect between coaching staff and players. So it's really up to like the older ones to kind of make sure that they feel supported and loved um, on and off the field. Whether, and I'm, I'm like gen as gentle as I could be, <laughs> but when I'm on the field, like, I don't think, I don't think they're used to like how like regimented I am sometimes. Um, I think going to my first tournaments in BC, I felt so bad because it's like, I'm the sweetest person off the field, but then on the field, I'm like barking orders and just, being regimented i'm like we, we gotta be positioned well like we gotta play our system you flip we a have... switch eh oh i don't know what is it i just see like red and <laughs> yeah even Bo, like my son when he comes to watch he's like uh like mom's scary <laughs> that's amazing i mean maybe he needs to see that though you know Oh yeah, yeah. Watch, better watch out. Oh, yeah. mom's got a mom's got a different side to her. Okay, exactly. this is <laughs> this complicates things. <laughs> I I think the coolest thing that's happening right now is that um I don't know if you saw but the League One team that was bought by one second uh, Laura Jack uh, the Jack family. Yeah, yeah. I can't really like. I it's a it's a nonprofit. Is it Hope and something? Yeah, hopefully. It's so actually going to be my so that was actually going to be my very next question. Um because right. you know you you had mentioned, you know, um you know that that there's barriers to uh you know to indigenous participation in soccer, um especially in the, um in the east. Um and uh so I guess we'll get anyone listening uh, you know caught up Varsity FC and League 1 BC got bought um by a indigenous owned um nonprofit and it was named um and it was renamed and rebranded uh not Samot FC, I believe. And uh, yeah, so my question was going to be, you know, um, it's so that's the first indigenous owned team at that level in this country. Like, is that a step in the right direction? Absolutely. Um, I have a meeting with them on Tuesday just to talk about 
how we can get more of the Eastern players involved because that doesn't exist for us out here. League One exists, but not in the capacity that BC supports Indigenous soccer players. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's that is a regional barrier for us too. Um, you know, having to for me, like they're interested in me playing, but I'm like I have my family here. So what? I go live out in BC April to September, or I'm like I don't think that's sustainable. Like we need something over here too. But I think BC is so far in development for soccer, for Indigenous folks. So I think it's definitely a wonderful and perfect step for them. But if I were to say Ottawa starts um, an Indigenous-owned team, um, the way that BC is doing it, I don't think we're ready for that here. We don't have the supports or the infrastructures. Um, we're very much at the like the consulting and partnering um stage over here just from my own professional background I've been working like a little bit with Atletico um in regards to their like truth and reconciliation steps and they've been so great with me and like offering like NIFA like partnership and support um and I've been kind of spearheading that work with them but uh I think it's great that you know they follow up with me like even though you know we're incredibly low capacity as indigenous like people um, in sport, especially like the people who are kind of paving the way and leading the way, um, we're very low capacity and they've been nothing but patient with me and they've been so supportive and they are really trying. Um, I met with Drew Becky um, in late September and it was just interesting to see like, yeah, like we had a conversation like for media, but we actually were able to have a conversation off the cameras where I was just like, hey, yeah, like this is actually super important. And it was just nice to be heard by someone who now makes decisions for the team. Um, like he's part of like management. He's like the head coach or manager. Yeah. Yeah. He retired and then, and then joined the front office. Yeah. He's the, he's yeah. the manager now. Yeah. And my friend Caitlin too works for them and they've, they're just always pushing the agenda to be more inclusive. And I really, really appreciate that, that that's happening locally here. But like I said, you know, if, uh, for example, if a nonprofit organization in Ottawa wants to buy the prof- a professional or semi-pro soccer team here, that'd be great for like ownership. But then when it comes to accessing um, tryouts for Indigenous players, we'd have we definitely would have lower intake um, than BC would. But it doesn't mean that it shouldn't happen. I just don't think that we're necessarily at that step yet. So I think that's like a journey long thing. Um, what works for one region and one nation might not work for our region and nation here. So I think it's up to us to kind of determine like do like that environmental landscaping and see, you know, what is necessary to support our Indigenous soccer players here and okay. why aren't there a lot. So um, I guess my last question would be, you know, um uh, are there any concrete steps that you think should be taken uh, next to, you know, allow us to eventually get to that point? I think it even just with NIFA, like if you're not going to recognize us at a grassroots level, then recognize us as a national program and, you know, do our carding system that we have for like national athletes, like like bridge us into what the supports are. Like, I know it's pretty minimal, but what we're receiving is nothing. So the support that national athletes get from 
whatever it is, like their their funding entities or like the government of Canada, whatever it is, like I think they should be bridging us into that as well because we're already faced with additional barriers and ongoing colonialism and racism. We don't need to be fighting tooth and nail just to be recognized as the athletes we are. Um, so I think recognition and acknowledgement first and foremost but then that needs to be paired with action, like tangible action. Like you can't just do like I think of land acknowledgements, right? You can do a land acknowledgement all you want, but if it's not backed up by action or your changed behavior, then it's nothing. So uh, yeah, I think that, yeah, exactly, a hundred percent. So yeah, I think uh, soccer has a lot um, further to go for Indigenous athletes, um, but I'm like committed for the rest of my life, like whether it's in a coaching capacity or like supporting NIFA and management like later on when I'm when I quote unquote retire um yeah I think that this is something I'm going to be a part of forever <laughs> <laughs>